Wonderful. Thank you, Anna. Just going to get set up. Well, it's lovely to be with you, and it's great to be able to share just for a few moments. Uh, my name is Ben. I'm the lead pastor here, and a really warm welcome. And if you're visiting us from St. Peter's this morning, then a particularly warm welcome to you, or if you're visiting at all for the first time. It's lovely to have you with us. Uh, apologies for the voice. Uh, I don't normally sound this sexy, um, but I have young children, and as well as being very cute, they are bulls of disease and virus, aren't they? So they pass on things, so hence the voice this morning. But thank you for bearing with me uh, in that. Uh, last week, we started a series called Colors of the Cross, uh, Wandering at the Cross, and um, all that Jesus did through his death and resurrection. And that's a series we're going to be coming back to throughout the Easter period. We're going to kind of be weaving um, in and out of that series. But today I want to pause and I want to think about our vision as a church. Where, it is, where is it that we're heading uh, as uh, a church? What is it that we are for? What do we uh, exist for? What is our reason for being? Today is Ambitiously Local Sunday for those visiting from St. Peter's. So we're reflecting on what is it that we're trying to do as a group of followers of Jesus together here in our locality in Sydenham and in Forest Hill. Hill. And um, our vision is really quite simple. Our vision is the kingdom of God in Sydenham and Forest Hill. That's what we are all about. That is the direction of travel. That is what we are pursuing and I think there is nothing in this world better than setting our lives on this end. That is nothing that is going to fulfill us more than setting our lives on chasing after heaven, chasing after this thing called the kingdom of God. Now, I know when we use the word kingdom, it can sound a bit Christianese, can't it? It can sound a bit Christian jargony, a bit elusive. What do we actually mean when we're talking about the kingdom and what is it that we are to set our lives upon? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. What does that mean? And that's what we're going to be thinking about this morning. And I'm aware that we live in challenging times. We live amongst a number of crises, people say. We live in an economic crisis. We live with a climate crisis going on around. We live in a social crisis where morality itself is in question. Things are being turned upside down. There's all sorts of noise in our world at the moment. And the temptation, if you're anything like me, is to retreat back, uh, to sit back, perhaps self-preservation, to make a kind of cozy kingdom of the self, to chuck on Netflix and just kind of get through. I don't know if anyone else feels like that, but sometimes life feels like we're just tempted to have a mindset of just getting through. And I think Jesus says he wants more for us than that. He actually wants us not to step back, but to step forward in these challenging times, in these times that can feel quite dark, to be his light and to be his light here in where God has placed us together in Sydney and in Forest Hill. Hill. We, well, I don't know why I can't say Forest Hill this morning. We pray that prayer, don't we? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I hope this excites you. I want this talk this morning to be an invitation, really, to, to make the kingdom of God the aim of your life. The, the one thing, if people say, what, what is 
What is it that Ben's all about? What is it that he's chasing after? That people might say he's chasing after the kingdom. He's chasing after to heaven. And I'm aware that when we talk about the kingdom, it's quite a, it's a big thing, right? It's quite a general thing. And um, I want to really paint a picture that excites you. Uh, and maybe this is for the first time you're hearing this, or maybe it's a, an opportunity to reorientate your heart and your mind back to the main and the plane of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, the main and plane of Christianity, because we can all drift, can't we? We can all start to focus on uh, other things. And as it's quite a general thing we're talking about, I believe that God is going to speak to each one of us, and particularly, maybe there's just one thing that I say this morning that you need to hear for your own situation at the moment, you need to receive, and maybe there's one way that you can respond to this invitation of the kingdom. So what does it mean to pursue the kingdom? Well, the word kingdom is the joining together of two words, king and dominion. And the king that we're talking about is, of course, Jesus. So the kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is king. And we want to say first up that we want to be a church where Jesus is king. Amen? We want to be a church where Jesus is at the center of all that we do. Our faith starts and ends with Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith, as Hebrews 12 says. And worship of Jesus is the engine of all that we do. And we want our church to reflect that. We want our lives to reflect the lordship of Jesus as we follow his ways. Of course, another word that we could use for kingdom is heaven. When Matthew talks about the kingdom of God, he talks about the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the same thing. The reality of heaven where there is no more death or mourning or crying or pain. There's no chaos or disorder where Jesus is king. The reality of heaven breaking in to the present. That is what we are about. We want to see heaven come in southeast London. We want to see heaven come in our lives. We want to see heaven come in this church. We want to see heaven come in Sydenham and Forest Hill. And if we're going to be kingdom people, the wonderful thing is we're going to be people of stories. You've heard some lovely stories already this morning of God at work. Stories of transformation, of where the kingdom of God wasn't, the kingdom of darkness was, and the kingdom of light breaking in more and more of the reality of heaven breaking into our lives. So we're going to be people of stories within our lives and as we partner with God in the lives of others. Just this last week, I was reminded of a, a story of a lady called Sylvia as uh, sadly I learned that she had uh, passed away. And um, Sylvia came on the first Alpha course that I ran as a curate about seven years ago. And she was a lovely salt-of-the-earth lady from Wembley. She was very honest. She was very funny. And I really enjoyed getting to know Sylvia. Uh, she didn't come from a faith background at all. She was invited along to Alpha by her daughter, Jo, who herself had been on Alpha a few years before and become a Christian on that. Uh, she, she was pretty skeptical about coming into a church. She was worried it was going to be too preachy. She came along to week one of this course that I was running, and she said it wasn't too preachy. It was all right, so she decided to come back. And um, this took place in the days before 
uh, Lydia and I had kids, okay? So uh, we had a little bit more money, to be frank. We had a little bit more margin. And so at the time, we were members of this gym, and we were able to be members of a gym that wasn't purely functional, um, just going to work out and coming back. But it also had a few of the extras. It had a pool and a jacuzzi and sauna and that sort of thing too. And to be honest, the reason that I went to the gym was for the sauna. Because let's be honest, who actually enjoys going to the gym? No one enjoys the gym. You might enjoy the feeling of having gone to the gym and then a the food that you can enjoy because you've gone to the gym. But no one actually enjoys the gym. Anyway, that's my theory. Anyway, I kind of made the gym, and by gym I mean sauna, um, a bit of a thinking place um, as I kind of began uh, life as a curate. If I had a talk coming up or something at work to kind of figure out, um, it was a, a nice way or a nice place to do it. And we were in the middle of this Alpha course. We had this Holy Spirit day coming up. And I remember just praying for this day and asking God, is there anything you want to do? Is there anything you want to show me for this day? And I remember feeling a pain in my shoulders that wasn't there before. And I remember seeing uh, the word hopeless in my mind. Of course, we all, always think with the prophetic, it could be us or is it God? But I wrote these things down and I shared it during the ministry time on that Holy Spirit day. And I didn't know Sylvia's backstory at all. And this is what Sylvia said. She said, at the end of the day, we asked the Spirit to come and be with us. And during this time, Ben shared, he thought God had told them there was someone in the room with bad shoulders, also someone who felt like they were in a hopeless situation. And I thought both these things applied to me. So as a lady called, Carol, uh, called Karen prayed with me, it was amazing. I physically felt a huge weight lift from my shoulders and such a sense of peace, that feeling has stayed with me. And that night I slept like a baby. The pain in my shoulders has not come back. Now this is her backstory. The last few years have been a massive struggle after my husband Graham had died. We owned a graphics company together and after he passed away I got into a lot of debt just trying to keep this company going. I was living with massive stress and anxiety in addition to the grief of losing my husband. I think what I experienced was God lifting that stress and anxiety from my body. There was a massive sense of relief. I have changed. There you go. Transformation. A lot since experiencing God in that way. I feel happier inside. I don't know how to explain it. I'm surprised at how I feel. Obviously, grief still gets me down, but I'm much more peaceful. And the future doesn't look so bleak. And Sylvia went on and she gave her life to the Lord. And I've got lots of happy memories of laughing with Sylvia over a cup of tea in her caravan as we went to a summer festival called New Wine together. And as I heard this week that she passed away, it's sad, but it's not without hope because she knows the Lord. Now, that is just a little story. That's just one story of many I could have told of the reality of heaven breaking into someone's life and bringing transformation. Where there was anxiety, there's now peace. Where there's physical pain, there was healing. Where there was despair about the future, there's now hope. Where Jesus wasn't the king of someone's life, he now has become king. It's not heaven come in its fullness. There's still grief there. There's still pain. But it's a taste of the future come into the present. And that's what we mean. And that's what we get to be part of as kingdom people. And it's the most exciting. It's the most wonderful thing that you could be about. Uh, about. You could base your life upon. 
Now, Jesus said that actually if we pursue the kingdom, it's going to cost us everything, but we also gain everything. It's one of the paradoxes of the kingdom. He said the kingdom was like someone who was looking for a precious pearl, and when he found it, he sold everything that he had just to find it. There's nothing like the joy of the kingdom of God because it's what our hearts were made for, to know the reality of heaven. And so we're going to just look at this passage that we had read a moment ago in Luke 4. And in Luke 4, we see some of the characteristics of the kingdom of God as we go a little bit deeper with this. What, what, what does it mean? What does life in the kingdom look like? And so if you've got a phone, you might want to get that open in front of you. Luke 4, uh, verse 18 to 19 particularly. And in the ministry of Jesus... We see Jesus do three things. We get our kingdom mandate because the kingdom was the mandate of Jesus. That was the reason why he came. It's the thing that characterizes his life, death, and resurrection above anything else. And we see Jesus do three things in the Gospels. He announces the kingdom's coming uh, in Mark 1.15. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And Matthew, he says the same thing, uses the kingdom of heaven. In Luke 4, we've got this announcement we're going to look at in a moment. And John, John kind of does his own thing. He's kind of out there, but uh, he makes these announcements about the eternal life that he has come to bring. Jesus does. That's kind of John's way of putting it. But we get these announcements of the kingdom coming. You've been waiting a long time for heaven to come. You've been waiting a long time for a king to come and to put things right. Well, now is the time. Now is the moment, Jesus is saying in these announcements. A new era is born in Jesus. And then he doesn't just announce the kingdom, but he embodies the kingdom. So he lives it out. He actually does the stuff. He heals the sick. He casts out demons. He preaches about uh, the good news of the kingdom. And then thirdly, he enables the kingdom. And he sends us out with his power, the power of the Spirit, and he sends us out with his authority, the authority of King Jesus, to continue his work from Jerusalem to Samaria to Sydney and Forest Hill and to the ends of the earth. And I just want to look at this announcement this morning as it paints a picture for us of kingdom life. What are the marks of the kingdom? Uh, we live in the UK, so that is the kingdom of King Charles now. And if you were asked, to, uh, asked an Italian, what are some of the characteristics of the UK? Uh, I guess you might hear things like queuing or fish and chips or uh, moderation or drinking tea or just being a little bit grumpy. Uh, I don't know, but there's some of the characteristics perhaps. What are the characteristics of... Jesus' kingdom. The first thing that Jesus says is, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. One of the marks of the kingdom is the free flow of the Holy Spirit. The Gospels make clear that a major, major reason why Jesus could do what he did was because he was filled with the Spirit's power. It's the spirit that enabled him to firstly experience the love of his father. And just before this announcement, we get the baptism of Jesus. And the baptism of Jesus is massively significant in his life. It's the moment when he hears the words of his father, you are my son, 
whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Before he had done anything, he hears these words. The Holy Spirit comes in bodily form as a dove, and he receives the Spirit. He receives the love of the Father. And if we're going to be kingdom people, that is our foundation in life, the love of the Father. There's nothing we can do to make God love us any more or any less. And so rather than a duty that we have to do these things to impress God, actually we do it from a place of freedom and invitation and adventure. So the Spirit reveals the love of God, love of the Father to Jesus, but also he brings power. In verse 14, we read that Jesus returned to Galilee. He'd been in the wilderness. He returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And that word power is the word dynamē in the Greek, from where we get the word dynamite. So this is real power to bring real change. Just like we heard that wonderful testimony this morning of that healing from COVID. That doesn't happen without power. It's the power of the Spirit to bring real change in our lives. Christianity is not simply about a set of beliefs. Uh, It's not simply about a set of routine or rituals that we do. It's not uh, ultimately about a community that we're part of, but there's power in our faith. And the Spirit brings power. The Spirit brings gifts, such as the gift of prophecy, which unlock change in people's lives. So if we're going to be kingdom people, we want to be people who are hungering after the Spirit and learning how to move more in the flow of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. So much more could be said on that, but this is just a kind of overview this morning. And then Jesus goes on, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. So let me ask you, is there any poverty in heaven? No. It's not a trick question. Is there any poverty in heaven? No, there's not. So Jesus came to eradicate poverty, both physical poverty and spiritual poverty. And wherever there was need, we see that he meets that with his abundance. We see that in the feeding of the 5,000. There's 12 basketfuls left over. Uh, We see the wedding of Cana, for example. Uh, And there's different types of poverty, isn't there, that people experience. Say Zacchaeus was wealthy in finances, but he was poor in self-esteem. He was poor in his emotion and his spiritual life. And Jesus comes and he meets that. When you think about meeting physical needs, when we look at the early church and, and this community that's formed and a picture of that that's painted in Acts 2 and Acts 4, one of the descriptions of the early church is that it says that everyone had anything that they needed. There was no one who was in need because everyone shared. And it's a picture of this kingdom of God, the reality of heaven coming. So if we are to be kingdom people, it means we want to be good news for the poor. And I'm going to speak just a little later on on what that means for us here in Cinnamon Forest Hill as we know that there is the reality of poverty amongst us in our community and we want to do something about that. And then Jesus goes on. He says that uh, he's come to bring freedom, freedom for prisoners, freedom for the oppressed. One of the marks of the kingdom is freedom. It's actually freedom from many things, anything that would hold us back from life in its fullness. Freedom from religion, the burden of legalism, the idea we have to earn God's love. Freedom from sin and its pollution in our lives. Freedom from shame, freedom from guilt, 
freedom from addictive behaviors that we go to to fill ourselves up, freedom from the power of sin or sin that has been done to us and its impact in our lives from others, words that have been spoken to us, unhealthy past relationships, romantic or on our family or of origin. We can be held back by these things. We can be imprisoned by these things. Jesus has come to bring freedom. That's what the kingdom is about. Freedom from the hold of the enemy, the demonic. Wherever there might be depression or anxiety, we believe lies. lies. Jesus has come to bring freedom. And in fact, the ministry of Jesus can be seen as a power encounter between two kingdoms, the ruling kingdom of the earth at the time, the kingdom of darkness, and Jesus comes and storms that kingdom with the kingdom of light, breaking down those strongholds by his preaching, healing, and delivering, and releasing captives through a spiritual warfare. Freedom is a key mark of the kingdom. And then he goes on, says the recovery of sight for the blind, that is physical and spiritual. The kingdom is marked by physical healings. We see that throughout Jesus's ministry. We see that throughout the Acts of the Apostles. We see that today as we pray your kingdom come, as we move in the power of the Spirit, that lovely story there of a healing. The kingdom is marked by insight, light, revelation, our blind spots being removed, revelation of God, of who he is and his ways, spiritual insight, thinking differently from the world, where there's ignorance of God, the knowledge of God coming. And we want to be a church that is about making Jesus known to uh, a world that so needs to hear him. And the year of the Lord's favor, finally, the kingdom of God is marked by knowing God's favor in your life, his goodness, knowing that God doesn't just love you, but he likes you. Do you know that this morning? God really, really likes you. It's knowing God as our Father who wants good things for us, just for who we are, just for the sake of his love. It's a little bit like if we go out uh, on a trip as a family and, uh, you know, your, your kids want a little treat, a hot chocolate or something like that. I absolutely love to be able to spoil my kids not because they've been good or not, but just because I love them, and I love to be able to do that. And when we experience the provision of God, when we experience life like that and God like that, that's an example of the favor of God in our lives, and it's a sign of the kingdom coming, that God has come close. And the year of the Lord's favor, it points to the year of Jubilee in the nation of Israel at the time. It was found in the Old Testament, every 50 years, debts were cancelled, prisoners released, land and resources divided equally among people. It was a year of grace. It was a year of justice. It was a year of the goodness of God. And Jesus says, when the kingdom comes, that's what it feels like. It feels like justice. It feels like grace. It feels like my goodness being known. And so these are sort of the sort of things that mark us out as kingdom people. These are the sort of things that we want to see. And so Jesus announces the kingdom. He embodies the kingdom. He lives it out. He does the stuff. And then he enables us to do the same. And that's the key point. 
and we think to Acts chapter 1, where Jesus uh, has got his disciples, and he says, do not move, but wait here in Jerusalem, and you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem and Samaria, to the end of the world. You'll continue what I've been doing, but you need to wait for the Spirit's empowering. And so we take on the mandate of Jesus as his disciples. We see what he does, and then we seek to do it out in our own context, live it out in our own context. Pete Hughes, um, a pastor in, in London of KXC, has written a book called All Things New, and he puts it like this. As a church, we dream, we pray, and we build. This is the task of the worldwide community of Jesus followers, living to extend God's kingdom and serve his purposes in the world. We are anchored in a story. We live out that story. It's messy and chaotic, but beautiful and glorious. It's the local church and God's kingdom army. So that's the kind of big picture. You know, what is the kingdom all about? That's a little big picture. But there are some specific outworkings for all of us. How do we play our part? What do we want to do actually here through this church? There are different gifts and passions that we'll all bring to the table as we join in with this. The New Testament says that God has placed different people within the church, apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and evangelists and those with the gift of helping or the gift of wisdom or the gift of administration. You might add those who are uh, creative, all sorts of different gifts that we've got and we join together to this end. But there are a couple of things, there are three things that we're looking to build up as a church um, this year that I just want to mention uh, as I come into land. And the first is this, we want to build up our sung worship, spirit-filled worship uh, here. Because we want to start with the fact that Jesus is king and he's worthy of our praise and everything flows from our worship. And uh, from Easter Day, it's great to have support from St. Peter's Broccoli over the last six months. It's been wonderful. And from Easter Day, we will have a new worship leader on staff with us uh, as we seek to build up this ministry. Uh, I wonder if uh, you are being invited by the Lord. The Lord is prompting you to be part of this. Do you play an instrument? Uh, are you up for being on production, supporting the development of our sung worship in some way, shape, or form? Uh, the second thing that we're looking to build up this year is our family's work, the children and youth. And we recognize that the harvest is ripe in our local area to make Jesus known amongst families. Uh, you only need to go out um, on your street and you'll see a, a buggy uh, somewhere. There's just so many families here and we really have a heart to reach out to families and young people. Uh, I recently received a prophetic word for the church just about that. Uh, this lady came in and she told me about this dream that she'd had. Uh, she was walking down a street and uh, she saw um, these trees. And on the trees were these big pieces of fruit, quince fruit. And um, it was actually, it wasn't quince trees. And she said, there's, surpri there's a surprising harvest here in Cinnamon Forest Hill. And what you need to pray for is pray for harvests to come and to harvest that fruit, and particularly with children and young people, there's a great harvest to be had here. So we want to invest in our family's ministry. And to that end, in April, we have a staff member uh, joining us to help lead this ministry. But I wonder if that's something you have a heart for. What could that mean 
for you. And then thirdly, community outreach, being good news to the poor in our community. We know that in our local community, there's an immense challenge. We know we live in a cost of living crisis. We want to make a difference. And this church has such a massive heart to make a difference. Over the winter, uh, a community cafe, a pop-up community cafe ran. Uh, a warm space, a place where people could find a hot meal, come and find companionship. Uh, and actually, some of the stories that came through, were that, um, one of the things people most appreciated was a conversation, was companionship. And it was an insight to the loneliness that's in our community. We want to make a difference in that. And so we want to kind of extend this work. So we have a staff member coming to lead that in April, uh, part-time. And um, she's going to extend this work. There's many different things that she might do. We might do. It might be setting up a friendship cafe. It might be a food bank. It might be a job club. It might be something else. But I wonder if there's a dream. Is there an idea that God's put on your heart to be part of this? These are not exclusive. But these are a few things that we want to press into, particularly this year in 2023. So as I come into land, I just want to ask a simple question. Are you up for the adventure of the kingdom? At this time of challenge for many of us, not to step back, but to step forward, to take hold of that invitation, to build our lives on the kingdom, to seek first the kingdom and trust that everything else will be taken care of, to go on an adventure with Jesus. And the way that we join in with this is by simply following the model of Jesus, by receiving the Father's love, being filled with the Spirit, and then doing the things that Jesus did in the particular way that God is guiding for us in the moment, according to our shape and moment in life. And that's a cycle that we want to do again and again. We, can't, we need to receive, we need to be filled up, and then we're sent out. That's the model of Jesus. It's the way of the kingdom. So let's stand together and let's ask for God's spirit to, to come now and see what he wants to do. I know that was a lot of talking and we want to leave 